Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Preaching must have its goal, not only the impartation of truth, but also the transformation of life. Stephen Olford is known for that quote. As teachers, it's important to make very clear, uh, teachers of God's Word, preachers of God's Word, uh, to make clear to our listeners what God's Word says, uh, maybe an observation, uh, we ascertain the truth, and then we unfold, we exposit, we unfold the meaning, we explain what it means. Um, and that's not our interpretation, that's the Bible's own interpretation. We never want to leave um, our preaching at that, though. We don't want to just unfold and say, here's what this means. The goal of observation and in interpretation is this third word, application. So when you think about preaching, think about observation, interpretation, and application. So the Bible has something to say, and it has something to say to you, and it has something to say that will change your life. James said to not, not merely listen to the word um, and so deceive yourselves, but to do what it says. God desires that, that we and those to whom we preach and teach live out his word. Dwight Moody rightly acknowledged that, quote, God did not give us the scriptures to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives, end quote. Remember Joshua, Joshua of old in chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, that's a statement of, of time, for then, if you, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Of course, that was covenantal promise to the land. For those of us today in the land of the kingdom of Jesus, uh, that applies to us spiritually. Success for Joshua was intimately um, connected to him doing what God wanted him to do. That's simple fact. And the same is true for Christians today. Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you, let's hear it from the church, do them, John thirteen seventeen. So as you're preparing your message, make sure to include in your notes places that you are going to encourage your listeners to apply God's word uh, to their own situation and to act upon it. Now, discovering how a passage of Scripture actually applies to you and those you teach is not, it's not always easy. Uh, and so what I want to do is give us some, maybe some questions to ask in our study as we prepare our sermons, as we, um, as we unfold the meaning, uh, asking these questions that, that are going to help you and I extract possible applications. Number one, are there commands to obey? Number two, are there examples to follow? Number three, are there errors of stumbling blocks to avoid? Four, are there sins to forsake? Number five, are there promises to claim? Six, are there principles to live by? And seven, what does this passage tell me about God or Jesus? So if you want to put a heading around this point, it, basically the what I'm trying to uh, give by thesis and emphasis is to exhort those that you're teaching and preaching uh, to apply the word to their own situation and to act upon it. Pondering the answers to these questions will help you discover, you know, maybe maybe possible applications on how that you might encourage your listeners to act 
So commands, examples, errors, sins, promises, principles. And what does this passage ultimately tell me about God and, it, and, and about Jesus? Does it? If it doesn't say something specific, does it point me toward him? Does it, does it teach an overall morality? Um, and, and yes, on all of those. But, but, but that's, that's, the, that's the push. Exhort them. Exhort them to listen and to act upon them. And then number two, don't always keep the application for the end of the message. Matthew 19 and verse 16, uh, somebody once said to Jesus, uh, Teacher, what good things shall I do? Some some preachers regularly save the application, um, or for this session, I want to call it the exhortation to act, for the end of their sermons. Uh, a popular used sermon outline looks something along the lines of this. You have your introduction, you have your reading, you have an explanation, an illustration, and an application. That's That's kind of a... Uh, an age-old way to do it. And there's nothing wrong to do that. At the end of my sermons, I have everybody put up all of their their um, Bibles and song books and get their cheese and, every, and everybody to stand on up. And so I have our shepherds come down and stand in our aisles, and then I give the charge. I give the application. I give them what to act upon uh, in that charge. So we're already standing. So you can guarantee that I have, um, early on I fumbled by saying, as together we stand and sing. We've already been standing. So anyway... But, but that's kind of what I do. It breaks up the monotony. Uh, it gives them a charge. It puts them on their feet. Christians are ready to move. They're ready to act. So in this this here, don't this I guess this lesson, point number two, don't always put the application toward the end. Um, I followed this format, and you have too, you know, the intro, reading, explanation, illustration, application. You, you followed that probably, and I have too, uh, and probably still will at times. But I want to encourage you not to feel locked up into that format. And I say this especially for those of you who are um, or will be maybe planning for 2022 preaching or teaching verse by verse through significant sections of Scripture. I did that through Matthew during this 2021 year. Um, but but you don't always have to do that. The format above that, that we talked about, the um, intro, reading, explanation, illustration, application, that, that sort of thing tends to to work better if you're teaching a topical message uh, or covering a, a small section of Scripture. So maybe one of the one of the reasons I'm not a major big fan of this format or not not always all the time is because I don't I don't like holding back exhortations um, and an exhortation to act until the end of the message. Sometimes I want to get in the grits and the gravy soon. Uh, and so when I when I read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, which is Matthew five through seven. I, I see Jesus exhorting people to act in in every few different verses. Um, chapter five and verse twelve: Rejoice and be glad. That's an exhortation. Uh, five sixteen. He says, "Let your light shine." Scroll on down to verse twenty four: Leave your offering. Uh, verse twenty five: Make friends quickly. Verse twenty nine: Tear it out, throw it away. Um, verse thirty four: Make no oath at all. Verse thirty seven: Let your statement be yes, yes. And so these are just a few examples of, you know, oh, just the greatest preacher of all time, uh, preaching one of the greatest sermons of all times, uh, and he's giving a step-by-step exhortation to act throughout his sermon. I mean, he's giving commands and orders and and exhorting them to, to live that and to go in those footsteps in which he would go. So don't wait until the end. Uh, throw some throw some meat in there and some exhortation and, and get in their kitchen uh, and get in it early. Uh, some sermons... You don't want to do that all the time because they'll be exhausted. 
but every every so often, every now and then, go go ahead and just just kick off the shoes and, as Johnny Cash would say, kick out the lights. So so do it and do it often, but also um, regularly include instructions, uh, reminders, and exhortation on the Holy Spirit. Uh, you and I well know in the church we we don't we don't tend to dwell here long. Um, we don't apply what the Holy Spirit is doing through the text. We just say I or Paul or the Bible or Scripture or God when it is the Holy Spirit who had direct miraculous uh, work upon this upon this written word, and so we just skip over him altogether. And so you know it as well as I do in the church. We don't as people would say. Um, I don't know what the Holy Spirit does, but I know what it don't do, as though the Holy Spirit's an it, you know. Um, we're just ignorant. Zechariah 4, 6, Now, not by, my, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. God is working in His Spirit through His Word in the New Testament church. Christianity, as you and I have already noted, it's not just a set of teachings to be understood, uh, to be just to believed. It's a life that can be lived out in a way that is both pleasing and glorifying to God. We are to, quote, keep in step with the Spirit of God. We are to walk by the Spirit of God. If the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if you want to take a, a word-only position, or if you want to say it's that He's literally there, but He lies uh, and works in tandem with the Word, uh, so be it. Uh, the Bible the Bible teaches both positions. Both You can find uh, an either-or um, camp in the church that you got to be one way or the other. Uh, meanwhile, they can't even explain how their own spirit dwells within them. I anyway, whether whether you're one side or the other, or whether you're both, whether you're balanced, uh, whether you can see the the argument for both, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, regardless, the Holy Spirit is still involved in rebuking the church, in uh, growing the church, in appointing elders, and and you and I well know how He does that. He does that through His Word, His revelation, and so. We want, to, we want to remind the people that a life lived in Christ is a life that is lived and guided by the Holy Spirit of God through the teaching of the Word. Uh, if we close our Bibles, we know nothing of God. So we know that's how He communicates to us. We know how that's He, he specifically, with words, informs us. That's how the Bible teaches us that He does. But anyway, uh, a life that can, only lived, that can only be lived out in this manner, which is glorifying God, as we said, um, is to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, by yielding to Him, by surrendering to Him, by allowing Him to work in our lives uh, through through this good book in front of our eyes. Some Christians, um, well, I would say many Christians, they don't they don't realize this. They think that it's just simple um, uh, here and do, here and do, and here and do, and here and do, and there's no empowerment which comes from the Word. Um, and I think that that's wrong. I think even in the church we don't. Um, we don't honor the Spirit enough. We don't think about the Spirit enough. We don't, um, um, just because it's it's so shunned in the brotherhood by those who don't know, by those who are ignorant. Uh, sometimes we shun having conversations about the Holy Spirit because the religious world abuses conversations about the Holy Spirit, which I think is wrong. If anybody should know, it should be God's people. If anybody should be able to talk about the Holy Spirit, it ought to be God's people, not a fear of concern of what other brethren might think or what the world may think we're thinking. Uh, or say it. Now, you and I well know that most of us in the church, I would say probably all at one point, uh, realize that we're sinners and we're, we're in need of God's forgiveness. We hear the gospel of Jesus. Uh, we trust in what Jesus did. We, we accept upon 
we accept what he did and we act upon it by obedient faith. We stepped in the waters of baptism. We were born again. Uh, we became members of the universal body of Christ. We placed ourselves under the, the shepherding of uh, the local the local elders. Uh, we've heard sermons uh, exhorting us to be holy, to be patient, to be kind, to rejoice, to serve the Lord, to forgive our enemies, um, to share the gospel, you know, evangelism, and so on. We're, we're eager to do well in the new adventure that we call the Christian walk. We, we begin to uh, strive to do, and we accomplish all that we were told to do. Um, but unfortunately, many of us don't understand that all of that came from the Holy Spirit of God. All of that is a life that is lived within step of the Holy Spirit through the Word. And we fail to acknowledge that. We, we, just, we just talk about living according to the Bible, and we've replaced the Holy Spirit with the Bible, uh, and the Bible with the Holy Spirit. And if we're not careful, many of our new believers, our babes in Christ, they're unaware of the Spirit's role in their life. They have no idea. Um, they, they trust in their own will, their own power, their own, their own ingenuity. They're moving in their own energy, their own strength. They're leaning on their own intelligence. They're viewing God's instructions um, through pre-salvation lenses and experiences, if you will. They're employing past techniques learned in the world. They're practicing previous, quote, non-Christian religious disciplines. Uh, they're legalistically erecting non-biblical restrictions to assist them in their desire to obey. They're making it all about what they can do. You think about the roles of worship. We the, the two roles of worship that require us and require our, our complete, um, well, I, I don't want to say worship because it, it not necessarily is worship, but it can be. Uh, when you think about um, prayer, prayer, not all prayer is worship, but we, we acknowledge God for who he is. Uh, I guess maybe it is. We proskuneo, we kiss his hand, uh, the root word of worship. Uh, but prayer is where we rely upon God. Uh, and not only prayer, but also fasting. When we fast, those are the two areas where we 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 give ourselves wholly and totally in allegiance to, to God, and we we sacrifice uh, our physical strength for Him. Um, and those are the two aspects that we probably look at, look at the, probably the least uh, in worship or in the Christian walk. You know, I want to I want to give you this verse in First Peter chapter four, verses ten and eleven. For you to be re to be reminded that as a Christian, none of this is by our own power. Um, I don't, I don't want you to think all hemi jimi and gold pixie dust and the Holy Spirit just took a hold of our our soul and just uh, some kind of miraculously taken over. No, just listen. First Peter four: As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks. As one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. If I don't acknowledge and give God the allegiance and God the approval and God the acceptance that this is his strength, that this is his body, that this is His uh, my submission to his will and God gets the glory. See, either my work in Jesus is either God honoring or Jake honoring. That's the reality. And so it's one or the other. And I have to I have to verbally say that that it's by God's strength that we do, it's by God's spirit that we know, uh, it's by Christ's work that we are accepted, and so we need to think about those things and, and implore those things in our teaching and our preaching that this is a Holy Spirit filled preaching, Holy Spirit filled life, where we hear and we submit to, we surrender to, and we say yes to we, we say yes to God, yes to the Spirit of God uh, through His Word. As 
as I said, a person who goes about, you know, trusting and moving and, and leaning and employing and all this legalistic stuff where they do it by themselves and only by themselves and they don't acknowledge God and God's strength in what they do, um, they're doing one or more of those things um, and they appear to be growing spiritually and spiritually healthily. You know, oh, they're at the church twice a week. You know, they're here every time the doors are open. Um but a short way down the road of life, many of these people's, you know, determinations to follow Jesus withered and died uh, when weariness took its toll or, or they were just unable to withstand the, the scorching headwinds of, of physical pressure, you know, spiritual pressure. I don't want to say persecution because we're not persecuted in the way that they were in the Bible. But, but that's kind of the idea. Trials, temptations, you know, those double T, trials and tribulations, we got to say both together, uh, you know, or it's not... It's, it doesn't have the emphaticness that we want. But overwhelmed with defeat, you know, fatigue, so on. And and they have concluded uh, that a joyous, uh, victorious, fruitful Christian life is an impossible life to live. And so they, they give up. They throw in the towel. They, they, they fall off the path of discipleship and never come back because they're physically exalted. Not exalted, but exhausted. They've exalted themselves is what they've done and not, not the glory of God. You've seen it happen numerous times, and so have I. These, these burned-out believers came to the right conclusion partially. The Christian life is an impossible life to live out if you attempt to do employing every single thing of the Christian walk uh, by your own strength and your own power for your own glory. But the Christian life is possible to live out if you daily yield to and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, when we are filled with the Spirit, um, that's when we begin to see it. That's when we begin to know it. That's when we mentally assent and acknowledge, this is not my strength, it's the strength that God gives me to do through this physical body that he's given me. Um, that only, only then we can do it. So let me give you, I don't know, maybe, maybe a dozen, 15 of these things about about the Holy Spirit and realistically what the Spirit of God did in times past and even in the New Testament. Um, Ezekiel 36, 27 directs in the way of godliness. He, he does that today through his written word. He directs me in the way of godliness. Uh, Galatians 5, 16, he delivers me from sin. Verses 22 and 23, all those all those fruits that, that are produced in my life uh, are produced by the Holy Spirit or not at all. Not by Jake and the Holy Spirit, but by the Holy Spirit. I just yielded and submitted to God's will and did it, and the fruit was yielded. Ephesians 3.16, Colossians 1.11, the word strengthen comes to mind. The Holy Spirit strengthens me. Acts 9 and verse 31, he comforts me. Romans 15.13, he imparts hope. Romans 5.3 and 5, he imparts the love of God. John 14.26, he teaches. Now keep all these things in context. Some of these contexts was miraculous. Some of these contexts was that he would literally indwell before the New Testament was fully written and had to do so. Um, but, the, but the principle still applies. The Holy Spirit is still in the business um, of doing all these things. John 16, verse 13, he guides. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13, he gives understanding. Um, Romans 8, 26, 27, even in Jude 20, he, he assists in prayer. He, he's a part of the intercession that, that goes on. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through gracious, 18. He delivers us from, from Satan. Um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4. He enables me to, to witness the truth of the gospel to others. Now, 
a lot of our brethren get get all heemy jimmy when we talk about the word witness, um, but that's that's just because of ignorance. The word witness literally comes from the word martyr, and, and we live out our death by our words and by our actions, and we are a witness to the world, not of Jesus because we didn't physically see him, but a witness of the gospel. Every New Testament Christian is to be a witness of the gospel, and the Holy Spirit gives me that gospel, and I am well endowed to go out and give that gospel to somebody else. And not only to, to just go out and give it, um, but to live it, um, he gives me courage. Second Timothy 1 and verse 7, he makes us Christ-like. Second Corinthians three seventeen through 18. When we think of a Christian life, we think of the word obedience. And yes, it is obey. The word is used by Jesus and the apostles and all, all first, first century epistle writers. Obedience. But think of it in terms of surrender. If we chose the word surrender, we surrender in times of choice. We surrender in times of action. We surrender in times of of sin, not not to the evil one, but to the Holy Spirit of God through His Word. We surrender to Him. We surrender to God. And of course, every time that we say um, no to Satan, we're saying yes to God. And every time we say yes to Satan, we're saying no to God. So when believers don't understand some of the these basic truths that you may know regarding the Holy Spirit, they're going to be hindered in the, in their walks with the Lord. For, for Christians. Um, cannot experience the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. They cannot feel emotionally the way that they should feel uh, about the work of the Holy Spirit in their life without daily surrendering to His influence in their lives. Here's what Spurgeon said. You tell me how you feel about this. There are many things that are desirable for the church of Christ, but one thing is absolutely needful. And this is the one thing, the power of the Holy Ghost in the midst of His people. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind or chariots without steeds. Like branches without sap, so we are withered. Like coals without fire, we are useless. That is 100% truly accurate. We have to have the Holy Spirit of God to go and to do and to be, to be who we need to be in this world. You know that, and I know that. Now, the thing is, is you hear that, and either your gut will begin to puke because you're thinking about... Oh no, he's going to take a trip into left field and go nuts and psycho and uh, live with the denominational world. But but some of you may be thinking, no, that's exactly right. That's the truth. That's the absolute truth. The Holy Spirit was present at the first century, and the Holy Spirit hasn't gone anywhere. He has not gone anywhere. I don't know why we think he has. I don't know why we don't acknowledge him. We don't uh, understand him the way that we should. I don't know. I don't know. Um but, but most churches, many churches maybe, uh, many preachers neglect speaking about him. And, and this is astonishing when you consider how important the work of the Holy Spirit is in our lives and how often the Holy Spirit is talked about in the New Testament. I mean, the book of Acts alone mentions the Holy Spirit about 60 times. Now, could this be why so many churches are on the decline? They're dwindling in size and influence and fruitfulness and so on. Have we neglected the Holy Spirit of God? Was Spurgeon right when he said that if we do not honor this Holy Spirit, we cannot expect him to work with us? He will be grieved and leave us to find out our helplessness? Probably, yeah. Francis Chan. Francis Chan wrote a popular book about the Holy Spirit a few years ago in, in the religious circles. Uh, and, and he entitled it very appropriately, quote, The Forgotten God. And I, I fear that that's right. Fellow preachers, what are we going to do? Elders and deacons, how, how are you gonna, how are you gonna convey this truth that that he's forgotten? 
Well, the first thing to do is to determine that you yourself will not forget him. Reacquaint yourself with what the Bible says about him. Look up the verses in the list of scriptures um, that I gave just a little bit ago. Meditate on them. Uh, read a good book that's dedicated to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. One book, um, most recently, I guess, in the Brotherhood, is Clouded by Emotions uh, about the Holy Spirit. Give, go, Please go read that. Go put your eyes on it. And you may think that you're sufficiently familiar with him, but you may be surprised at how much you've forgotten uh, if you read, you know, um, one or, or more of those books. So, again... Um, not to take a hard left or a hard right, but to be right down the middle. Uh, not to jump into denominational circles per se, uh, and not to not to join the the ultra conservative nuts of the brotherhood. So first thing, determine that you, you yourself are not going to forget him, and then the second thing is to regularly incorporate conversation about the Holy Spirit, about what He can do, what He desires to do, into my preaching and my teaching. Uh, and in your preaching, consider consider doing a series of topical sermons on, on the person, the work of the Holy Spirit, for the benefit of the people that you're preaching to, for the church to consider, you know, teaching through the Book of Acts. I I know of no better way to see people excited about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit than than teaching through that book. Uh, just earlier in the year, um, or maybe it was the end of last year. I believe it was uh, one of our own, uh, our our deacon over GSOP, one of one of the preachers here. Um, who fills in for me, and whenever I'm not here, and Paul's not here, David's not here, and uh, it's it's Derek Brown, and he he walked through the Book of Acts and uh, looked at it in a different way than we often teach it. It was just just a great great work. So, however however you feel compelled to bring him up, however you feel compelled to not leave him out of the conversation, um, bring it up. People begin to look at you strange. Maybe it's because you are strange. You're strange in their company. Because they forget him. They forget him altogether. So, thinking about it, when you're preaching and when you're teaching, the Holy Spirit never showed up in the first century just to preach and to teach. He showed up to preach, to teach, to transform, to change people's lives. Let that be done so in your preaching. That's how the Holy Spirit does it today, through your preaching. Don't don't neglect that fact. This this is how God is getting to his people on Sunday, through the, through the act of worship. We exalt, we exalt, uh, we're for him. We're all for him, and we're asking, um, we're pleading, we're praying, God, do your work. Let your spirit do its work. Let it change our lives as you would have it to through the preaching and teaching of his and your your word. So may God bless us in the teaching and preaching uh, concerning the life-changing, transforming Holy Spirit of God.